Welcome everyone as the Pop Culture Podcast by Fantastic Geek talks the state of the MCU. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. All set here to have a comprehensive discussion of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as of this point, November 2023, clearly a uh, a watershed moment on all timelines. But before that little bit of discussion about the other things that we cover, the first being Star Wars and connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe or apparently no longer connected there, Taika Waititi, who still has a Star Wars but knows. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here, Matt. It's going to make people mad. Um, look, the contributions of Taika Waititi, I would say, you know, his his magnum opus, uh, Jojo Rabbit, is, is a must-see movie, particularly in these times, well-deserving as an Oscar winner. Uh, his Marvel contributions have been delightful. Ditto for what we do in the shadows. Uh, there was an article in the past week uh, that had the somewhat brutal, somewhat clickbaity headline of Taika Waititi needs to stop making movies or something like that, or stop making movies for a little while uh, in response to his soccer slash football movie that has come out. Um, he's a guy who needs to take five and look in the mirror and understand that the Spielbergs of the world uh, can go and go and go and occasionally have some duds and talents lesser than Taika Waititi, maybe get a bite at the apple and strike out and that's all you hear from them. And he's somewhere in the middle, but he's not, you know, it's not Spielberg and Wells and Waititi and Scorsese, you know, and and whomever on the Mount Rushmore of talent. He just kind of needs to slow his role, know his role. And um, I don't think his Star Wars movie is getting made. And I don't mean that as disrespect to him or disrespect to his idea or to Star Wars. I'm just saying they don't let terrible ideas get made uh, as we have seen and as we, as we have discussed by this, you know, line of bodies of canceled projects that, that Star Wars has chosen not to do. Time will tell there, but time ticking down in Toronto, Matt, as Star Trek Strange New Worlds is ramping up production. Yeah, super exciting. We can assume, not just assume, fact, many productions as rumors, as just the general news reports were coming out of uh, the the wind down of the actors' discussions, studio spaces were starting to prep. So I don't think it's like, oh man, there's suddenly a contract. Yawn, when should we unlock the soundstage? When should we hire carpenters? Like all of that has been done uh, in, in the last many weeks, to know that Strange New Worlds is underway, to hope that perhaps forward-looking special effects work has already been done. We know they do that with the AR wall. Maybe they've already sketched out, then here's going to be the big space battle, here's going to be the this, the that, the other. My hope, as I said on yesterday's Loki podcast, was that we might get some Strange New Worlds this summer. I think a Season 3A, Season 3B release uh, I will not feel like, oh, they're trying to goose the subscription or whatever. I will feel like, get us the first four or five ASAP and, you know, when they're ready, of course. But I I, I think we're going to get Strange New Worlds not 
well off of the anticipated June-July date. I'm not saying June-July, but I'll take August or September, no problem. Next thing up, no doubt, will be a date for Star Trek Discovery's fifth and final season. So we wait with that, and as soon as we have a little bit more word on that, we'll be talking uh, all about the thing that brought Star Trek back to the small screen, where it originated. Uh, but Matt, speaking of that small screen, we just did our Loki season two wrap yesterday. What likely brings that series to a close? Yeah, it was a great discussion. And I think that even with some episodic quibbles, uh, you know, it's obviously our longstanding tradition to do a season wrap and sometimes a series wrap. I think that despite the quibbles that we might have had in the 204, 205, 206 area of Loki Season 2, um, we were overwhelmingly positive. Our listeners were overwhelmingly positive when it came to that season. And insofar as we kind of were doing a soft series wrap, although we didn't call it that, um, looking back at the 12 episodes, certainly you know a, a very hearty journey. Last week, we brought you our discussion of the Marvels. Matt, update us on the box office on that. Yeah, um, some interesting takeaways. First of all, this second weekend, um, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend, you know, how that normally is, um, not good. The Marvels may break $10 million, may not break million, uh, may not break $10 million. My, for the weekend. For the weekend. For, for those That's three days. Shocking. Yeah. That is utterly shocking, particularly in light, again, that people who have gone to this movie have largely enjoyed it. Instead of all the people are like, it's awful. No, of course I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's a proc. It's anticipated to be approximately a seventy-five percent drop, which is you know just continuing the the financial catastrophe. Um, interestingly, Pete and I, I have to admit, I mean, I, I look at box office numbers every so often. Um, I know that usually on Tuesdays, Tuesdays is like the least attended, so theaters do stuff to get you to come on Tuesdays, like you know five dollar tickets or whatever. Um, it did. The Marvels did better on Tuesday, November fourteenth, three point three million dollars in the U.S. than it did on this past Friday, two point eight million dollars. I, I feel like that's weird. I feel like that's an aberration, um, but not good. Not good. I am reminded of, as I said with the Marvels podcast, I am reminded with uh, the Haunted Mansion, which was even more disastrous at the box office, even more of a rejection, midsummer, Disney, family-friendly, all that, ride awareness out the wazoo, um, a financial catastrophe. And then it was like the second most watched thing on all of streaming or whatever it was, it was extremely strong streaming numbers uh, the week The Haunted Mansion hit Disney+. Plus. So I don't know. I don't know that most people in Hollywood know what a streaming hit looks like in terms of value added for a subscription and all of that, but you can't have value if no one's clicking on it. So that's a long way to say maybe the Marvels is a, will be a Disney plus hit. And, you know, I've couched my words carefully to say financial catastrophe and things like that. We both enjoyed the movie. I'm wondering if maybe 
the the story future for the Marvels gets a rebound based on its Disney Plus experience. Time will tell. Pete, final info coming in the near future, but let's give a little preview as to what's ahead on our own schedule before we dive into the MCU's past, present, and future. Yes, as we finish up the month of November and turn the corner into December here, Matt, we will be talking the next uh, live action in Marvel. That, of course, Echo coming all at once in January. We'll be bringing you a little bit of a preview uh, at the end of November here. Uh, indeed, and then the weekend after that, the first weekend in December, we're going to give a little preview, not a little, we're going to give a comprehensive preview of Skeleton Crew uh, ahead of starting to turn our attention towards What If, probably do a quick little check-in with Star Trek Discovery, and uh, we were 99% sure of our plan for What If, but per- certainly uh, as we get into that that uh, release corridor there, uh, we probably, we anticipate doing uh, perhaps two or three What If episodes podcasted every couple of days, so there's not going to be a ton of downtime. Let's not forget What If is going to be released one a day for nine days, so we're going to kind of be keeping pace with that, but clumping them together and certainly looking forward to that journey to close out the uh, the calendar year. Well, we knew we needed to have this discussion, but particularly in light of just the box office disaster of the Marvels. It's fully come to a head, Matt. So the state of the MCU right now, and I dare say this is the worst spot it's been in. Indeed, Pete, this is, this is unquestionably the lowest point for the mcu in terms of financial stuff uh in some quarters critical slash fan views and i think in my mind where where do we make how do we make sense of this you know you look at let's look at the marvels specifically for a moment um is it a problem of a female-led movie not if you look at uh captain marvel and its box office numbers is the problem with having characters pick up from Disney plus. Well, not if you look at the box office numbers for Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. Um, I think the biggest area of concern right now, placing the MCU in peril is that we can place this at superhero fatigue period. It's, it's a movie problem. It's a TV problem. It's a Marvel problem. It's a DC problem. The DC CW shows maybe we're able to hide from that problem by being on a micro network with a small viewership um, that was only there just to be a, a, a factory for selling stuff to Netflix. Then that stopped. Now all those shows are gone. Um, Marvel does not have that. Yeah, you know, Marvel has big budgets and big distribution and so forth. And maybe it's just an issue of fatigue with this type of storytelling. I mean, you look at the last several films and series and it's almost routinely been one down one up one down one up one down right now which which tells us what matt that that what if's gonna be a lift and you know echo could be down it's it's shaky right now and again 
I think inarguably the shakiest it's ever been. Now the next film is slated to be Deadpool three, but that's the only film now coming in 2024 and coming at such a weight off of Marvel's now, I feel like this is only going to get pent up. And then you look at, you know, past echo. We know that Agatha dark hole diaries and Ironheart are both into post-production. We have not a sense on when next year, if either would be released. Um, Aside from the vague rumor of Agatha as a Halloween show, because it's a Halloween show. Right. Right. So does that possibly slot Ironheart earlier? Who knows? And then you've had all the trouble with Daredevil born again that from the start, Hey, Charlie Cox is back 18 episodes, Matt and Pete. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. You're not doing 18 half hours consecutively. You're just not. And it would, but it was being floated like that. That was the weird thing. Like there was nobody, there was nobody at D23 saying two seasons, 18 episodes total. It was just, you know, uh, Pete, it kind of was what they do at other studios. I'm looking at you, Star Trek Kelvin four. Um, Hey, look, here's an impressive number to put into a headline. Mic drop. Uh, Hollywood press isn't going to dig any deeper, right? Gulp. They've had all the issues with uh, the visual effects to the point where their overwork of that industry has led to, rightfully, I would say, unionization and the ideas of, of some kind of acceptable limits to not work those poor people um, into their graves. But I feel that that issue has compounded everything here and and pushed it back. I mean, listen, if if you need to kind of stretch things out now, coming off two labor stoppages, yeah, it, it makes sense, but it only feels like it's going to increase this dire concern over the course of, you know, the next seven and a half months. And as I've said before, as a consumer, um, look, as a, as a consumer, Hollywood gets a pass for COVID pauses in production, unprecedented, totally get it, right? Totally get it. However, as a consumer, it's not my problem, studios, that you couldn't make stuff while there was a strike, particularly seeing as how both unions apparently got, you know, after the length and the pain of those strikes, they were very happy with the contracts they got studios you got to figure out how to get me content to keep me interested in stuff and i'll talk a little bit uh about the the concept of shelf life and how i think that's impacted marvel um you know it's not my problem that you can't hire enough bodies to work 18 hours a day seven days a week to churn out imperfect effects because you need to hit release dates like these are not my problems as a consumer and if the strikes have shown anything, you know, the audience in general is sympathetic with the people actually making this stuff. And I don't want to read another story that somebody, you know, had to miss grandma's last days in the ICU because they have the honor of working 
at, at minimal pay to do Marvel VFX, uh, you know, while they while they cry themselves to sleep to get to sleep five hours a night. I don't read these articles anymore. It's a, this is a studio problem, and this stu- the studio needs to come up with solutions here. Yeah, and you know we had that big variety piece prior to the Marvels uh, being publicly uh, available, and there was all the doom and gloom of that. And now you've had the film come out, and again, while fan reception is uh generally positive there's the financial end of this and that comes too to me another area of mcu in peril and and let me preface this by saying maybe i'm about to be a little unfair in my conclusion but fact disney plus shows marvel disney plus shows have not been the cultural breakthroughs that they that they Disney Marvel thought they would be WandaVision and to lesser degrees Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki are exceptions to that but you know Pete I could in 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 my day spent around young teens I could not find anybody who cared about Ms Marvel the June that it came out despite the fact I'm there in my own way hyping the graphic novel look I I own Copies of the graph, the, the I own three different graphic novels. Hey, New Jersey. Hey, powerful young lady. Blah 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 blah. No one cared about the show, and I think that's been true across the board for this stuff. So many of these shows have come and gone. Now here's where it's maybe unfair. Everybody would like to make a make a cultural breakthrough show. I get that. I get that it's not easy. I get that sometimes there's mysterious alchemy. Pete, I had texted you uh, earlier in the week that uh, I was walking through the living room and my wife was watching what I thought was House of the Dragon, which I have not watched House of the Dragon because I'm punishing HBO for the way Game of Thrones ended, which I realize is dumb because I'm just punishing myself. And everybody yes, says, you're just missing out. But anyway. But anyhow, it, and I'm like, this is terrible green screen. Wait, didn't they do? I thought they had an LED wall. Oh, but those, and then now oh, the wigs aren't great, but clearly that's Khaleesi or somebody related to her or something. Uh, and boy, the lighting is terrible. It's so flat. And then Superman shows up, and I'm like, "Oh, this is The Witcher. This is The Witcher, but it looks like it's supposed." Which I have not. I watched 20 minutes of Witcher when it came out. I said, "Okay, it's not for me. That's cool." Next, I know a ton of people dig with The Witcher, but I thought it was a Game of Thrones for uh, show for five minutes. They clearly, and I'm not being critical here. Netflix made Witcher to do their own game of thrones thing plenty of people try plenty of things and oftentimes they don't work so again i'm not saying disney here's two fixes and all these shows could have been beloved by everybody but again not my problem that you threw 200 million dollars at she hulk and nobody really showed up for it not my problem Yeah, I mean, again, we watch all of these we podcast all of these um and there seems to come such a cost in promoting them. You know, you, you see, well, here's the budget of the Marvels and here's what it's taken to promote it. Um, and then you have these results at the end of the day. And yeah, it, it doesn't add up. It does not add up. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you, you cannot trust Hollywood accounting. Okay, and that we're citing 
well, hey, the Marvels will be on Disney Plus, and then what's that look like in terms of driving subscription and how much they're pulling in a month and everything like that. But, you know, now they're beginning for the first time. What if over, you know, a nine day span echo all at once, it feels like burning off content. It feels like, all right, we're so far along on this and we've talked about this and here it comes and blink. All right, so Deadpool 3. Pete, as is our tradition, we are both working off of some some sort of notes, but we're not we don't see each other's notes, and what you have said perfectly tees up my next point, which is this. The Marvel Disney Plus shows seem to have been seemingly made without a plan. Um and what you're saying is perfect there in terms of I guess Echo does not set up important stuff. Uh, or my other example here, Moon Knight is both a limited series, yet they allowed an open-ended to be continued conclusion. Is it an Oscar Isaac star, or is it immediately disposable? You know, I I don't know. Um, ditto with What If, um, which again, I don't think anybody ever was like, ooh, the keys to the next 10 years of MCU is going to come from What If, but I don't think... I don't think Disney Plus knows what to do with all of this content. It's just this weird, it's this weird disconnect. And, you know, how, if the shows are internally important, you sit and go, my goodness, what a journey they went on. Like, any great hour of TV can shine through. Um, But if it's not, if it's not hour by hour keeping you invested in the characters and you're looking at it for the larger explorations or whatever it might be and those aren't there either well then we're we're down to this thing that used to have a big plan you know i think of watching thor 2 with you and going all right well that wasn't particularly great but we got more about the there's the 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 red goo stuff is also secretly it's in a stone it's gonna be one of those things where that purple guy makes a thing or something okay like like it, it, it contributed to the larger narrative while not being a great internal story. Or, you know, flip side, let's say the Guardians movies have oftentimes had a great internal narrative without being about, you know, you know, Stark Tower and, you know, and things of that sort. Well, it's funny that you mention uh, Thor the Dark World because in retrospect, it's the first time we get Loki not as a villain, right? And now to see, I mean, that was what, 2013. And now to see uh, 10 years later that we have uh, Loki redeemed at the end of season two, likely the end of that. Um, Is it fair to judge these midstream before uh, phases are complete or only with the hindsight with the clarity uh, after we've gone through this to say success not success and on top of that is it any wonder Matt in a week where financially the MCU smallest opening okay all this concern 
oh hey 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 uh fantastic four and uh you know here's here's the potential for pedro pascal to be uh reed richards Uh, you raise a really really excellent point which is even your top in my opinion even your top three uh entertainment news sources deadline hollywood reporter and variety even they can be swept up with bad information or a bad rumor or something like that. But yeah, on a single calendar day where the major news sources had paid, had the had the rumor of Pedro Pascal as Mr. Fantastic, you, Pete, have hit the nail on the head perfectly. It's awfully weird that they all got that rumor at the same time. Is it because maybe the same person, the same studio, was leaking to all three? So that that could change the narrative because, boy, in retrospect, that's what those fingerprints look like. It's one thing when, you know, whatever, uh, comicbookshow.com or whatever it is, when they have those rumors where kind of, you know, then other sites quote it and other sites quote the other sites quoting it. But like, yeah, when it comes from the top, you wonder who fed them that because it's perfectly timed to change the narrative and uh, well done there with your detective work, Pete. Well. Deadpool is not back into production as I understand it, but it's kind of like, look, look over here, look over here. Here's, here's, here's the next thing. Here's the thing to get excited about when I think if you're running a film and TV universe and, and this being the model that everybody's chasing. Okay. Uh, this was the, the model when they had Marvel TV and the Marvel Studios films obviously reintegrated under Marvel Studios, you know, and then you bring it to Disney Plus, you make it exclusive to there. But this was the thing that finally got Star Wars into live action TV, right? And pursuing the same kind of team up model you know, the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, et cetera, et cetera, that are going to culminate uh, in at least one Dave Filoni film there. Um, But holy smokes, I mean, you look at all of this, why wouldn't you, other than announcing dates for What If and Echo, why wouldn't you have the resources on them? Instead of, hey, this thing that's not even filming yet uh, and, oh, a casting rumor, there were all these casting rumors during the strike. And we know, you know, how rare it is during a labor stoppage that they're going to announce that somebody's got a job because these people are in boardrooms trying to hammer out agreements. Particularly like it would be one thing if it was secretly sign if, if if an actor signed a contract prior to the strike but all mutually decided we're going to keep this quiet until it's officially announced uh, you know that's that's one matter i guarantee any actor signing a, a signing a contract during a strike is going to be booted out of the union regardless of how big they are like that's just not happening and we saw that by the way we not not actors signing during the union or, or during the strike we saw announcements happen where you know then you'd see in the second paragraph this deal was made prior to the strike okay fine um but yeah this this well frankly this leads to my my last point here for mcu in peril which is 
I understand they're trying to keep the ball in the air and they're trying to keep interest and they're trying to have you look at the positive, not the negative. But shelf life has been misunderstood by Marvel. I think that they looked at the Thanos tease at the end of the first Avengers movie and that being a through line to the end of Endgame. And I think they have misunderstood, or for, first of all, I, well, I think they misunderstood. One reason is most of that entire stretch, if you needed to be involved in the MCU, it was not a case of time, which is to say it wasn't, look, across six, seven years. It was, you could drop in for two hours and then not worry about it again until you saw another movie two seasons later, two, two na- natural seasons later from winter to summer. And then you drop in for two hours and you go, oh, look, they got another rock for the thing. And then you could go away and then you could come back three months later and say, oh, look, they like... Yes, these movies were doing well, but it was kind of like you didn't need to keep up. It wasn't difficult to keep up with the story. I think that these long stretches between zingers have now become a negative. For example, Pete, are you excited about Doctor Strange who's going to have a third eye and Charlize Theron is a character from somewhere? I think it's too easy to knock the credit scenes. You know, somebody put together... Not a montage, but a collage, really, of, hey, here's all the, the things that, that still haven't been, uh, you know, retouched upon. Uh, okay, like, that takes time. And as you noted before, we're still dealing with the hangover from, you know, COVID pausing and everything like that. Um I mean, Matt, how about Daniel Destin Creighton leaving uh, the director's chair of Avengers Kang Dynasty this week? Uh, Also interesting on that um, Fantastic Four really strong rumor uh, drop there. Um, And then, uh, oh, yeah, he's he's still on Wonder Man, not formally announced. Uh, and he's still on uh, Shang-Chi 2, which uh, not even anywhere on the, the coming timeline. Which to me is bonkers. I mean, Wonder Man, we'll, we'll see if the proof is in the pudding. They've already said, what's the new phrase they have for the Marvel spotlight? Marvel at, at an yes, arm's length? Okay. Echo will be the, the first Marvel spotlight. Oh, hey, we focus on... Uh, characters in a smaller scope uh, some people have twisted it to mean like oh these are these are not connected you don't have to watch these in order to be able to uh, you know participate follow along with the larger story which look Pete I'm going to use words of uh, my new hero Iman Vellani uh, who in speaking about the box office for the Marvels, she said, you know, where it's the effect of, we love making the movie, people love the movie, box office stuff, here's the quote, that's a Bob Iger problem. I think similarly, we're going to judge Echo based on what happens from, you know, second zero to the end of the last minute of every episode, and then we're going to look back at the whole season of five episodes. Period. We don't need, you know, Hawkeye to show up with uh, Son of Hulk at the end to make it a good show, um, we're going to judge it as it is. And if you want to 
prepare, if you want to PR, if on the PR end you want to say it's Marvel Spotlight, so if you've been turned off by the notion that you can't watch She-Hulk because you need to remember what happened to Hulk um, at the end of Age of Ultron and then in Ragnarok and then in the Avengers, and if that's too much for you and that's why you didn't watch She-Hulk, okay, you can come to this show without any preparation. Again, that's a PR thing. I think that you and me and everybody who's listening who's going to check out Echo and check out any of these shows, we're, we're doing it fresh every time. It's not always the expectation that you need to make this good by, by the, the zingers and the connections and so forth. I don't mean to only look at the financials and say that the MCU is uh, in trouble, but if you're going to get diminished returns, then obviously your decision process in terms of what you're going to green light in terms of what you're going to uh, develop has to change. Um, and, and then on top of that, the decisions you're going to make in terms of casting and everything. So there is a trickle down effect. And then we, we bring up here this, new branding of Marvel Spotlight. This after uh, we had Marvel Studios TV, and then there was this hybrid of the the special presentation, right? Werewolf by Night, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and nothing since then. So 11 months now of that, with seemingly none on the horizon of a new thing that you had. I mean, geez, over the course of, you know, last fall, you had those and then nothing again. Uh, which, which I don't get. I think it speaks to some level of mismanagement. Um, and look, in the larger sense, you know, you, you said just before words, to the effect of, you know, something's got to give, um, within the Disney family, we've seen this. The plan, you know, as we all know, the plan at the height of um, the height of the Star Wars sequels era, and I don't mean that storytelling era. I mean the years it was coming out. You know, uh, Star Wars was looking to do a movie a year, and then of course with Solo coming out, what was it? Five months before, whatever it was, sometimes less or sometimes more than one movie in a calendar year. Um, when there were problems with that, what has the corporate response been? Let's slow down. Slow down on Star Wars movies. Hey, TV is an area of success. Okay, there's been some more in the TV space, but not, you know, I mean, there's got to be, just just estimating here, there's got to be double the MCU shows than there are Star Wars shows for the same, you know, for this Disney Plus era. Um, So that's an option too. I think of Pixar, you know, being told, Get, get content going for, for uh, Disney+, Plus, and they really dug their heels in. I don't know that... I know there's some Toy Story shorts and maybe a series or something, but, like, they've basically said, no, we're going to stick with what we do, which is making movies for theatrical release. So, you know, sometimes things settle to where they need to. I don't know what that means for Marvel Studios. The most successful... Uh, mini studio of all time financially. I don't know what that portends exactly, but um, 
at a certain point, studio bosses are going to say, slow down over here, speed up over there, whatever it might be. The genie's out of the bottle with Disney Plus, with all these streaming services. And it's so commonplace now how quickly they come to the streamers, to traditional cable. Uh, and then you look at what the pandemic did to uh, theater attendance. And I don't think we're ever going to get that back. Yes, there's outliers. And you look at the success of, um, you know, the Avatar sequel. But, you know, these Marvel movies, 33 in, okay, over the course of 15 years. All right. You want to say on average you get uh, two a year, whatever it's going to be. Um that speaks to the lack of them kind of being special, right? So maybe with Deadpool being the only one in, in 24, not pausing, but stretching things out. And I'm sure we're going to see some things flake away from this slate that they have. Um, you know, we know that that goes on quite a bit with Star Wars. And it's funny how one universe has imitated the other and, and vice versa. And, and then, you know, the, the takeaways from Kevin Feige at the, the Ms. Marvel or the Ms. Marvel at the Marvel's premiere that he no longer has a star Wars movie in development. Um, and you know, Oh, Hey, uh, Robert Downey Jr. At all are not coming back to the MCU. You've heard wrong. Um, I think reflect that. All right, there, there's not going to be a a save in the way that's either been predicted or expected. Yeah, which, as we off, so oftentimes do, you know, talking about Marvel, Star Wars, Star Trek, Star Wars, in 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 a time of reflection, self reflection uh, from Star Wars what's our theatrical situation okay they've pivoted to i think we could agree great tv success i don't think any one of these shows have been considered to be stinkers i mean there's always going to be the people who say ahsoka has too much girls or Andor doesn't have enough lightsaber but it seems but like that's every... the same reaction that's effectively being said about the marbles and neither is the case um so that that narrative flakes away and loses any kind of serious consideration. Uh, agreed, but the overall point being, or shouldn't I shouldn't even say, but agreed, and the point being, Star Wars has pivoted to TV. While you know, doubtless there there's going to be Star Wars in theaters. They're just figuring out the best path forward. Uh, Star Trek, obviously, Discovery conceived to be a streaming thing to grow all access then paramount plus into a netflix killer and now they're figuring out what that means in this current era but that hasn't been without flirtation to bring star trek back to the big screen you know i know i'm a proponent of i think most of those plans have been inauthentic but it's not you know flip side is this if they had the best star trek script ever and the best director ever to execute it you know and it's clearly this is going to be it 
um, than it would have it would have happened. Um, so Star Trek has stayed on the small screen with with great success. Then you look at Marvel, which was ready to conquer both. It was conquered. Set Marvel Studios was set to conquer streaming. Marvel Studios was set to continue to conquer theatrical, um, and had there have been declines on both. So it's kind of like, well, where do you go when there's not the track record? It's just, it's a lot of questions. It's a lot of questions, Pete, with not a lot of clear solutions coming out of, uh, you know, Disney headquarters in Burbank. So the question is, how do you save this? How did you salvage it, Matt? And we have a little something, something for you here on patreon.com slash fantastic geek to continue this discussion i'm sure pete there are people listening saying wait what do you mean it continues on patreon not fair here's what i would say to that just gave away 40 minutes and 40 seconds not to tee up part two but to talk about the state of the mcu and yes we are going to talk about some solutions over there on patreon uh hopefully people have very much enjoyed this discussion as part of our as part of our guaranteed weekly coverage of geeky goodness um and pete looking forward to talking about some solutions over there on patreon.com slash fantastic geek so you can hear our five things to fix the mcu over on patreon.com slash fantastic geek pete how can people be in touch with you as we you know, as discussed at the top of the podcast as we get ready to preview echo to preview skeleton crew to check in with star trek discovery how can people be in touch with you on social media? You can find me on Twitter, on threads, on Blue Sky, at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. 12,600 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter, looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, and threads, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Can't wait, Pete, to get to next weekend when we will be previewing Echo. Uh, until then, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. See you over on Patreon. <laughs>